Hello. Welcome to Grad Grind's Teach FM, where you'll find unfiltered insight into all things teaching, learning, and education. I'm your host, Tom Liam Lynch, and this season on Teach FM, we're exploring the question Are public schools succeeding or failing? You might recall that last week we looked at uh, the case of New York State accountability measures, which were recently changed. Um, and then we focus specifically on a little elementary school in East Harlem that went from being relatively uh, successful um, to being labeled one of the worst, um, and that happened overnight. Well, this week we want to explore that a little further, and I'm going to be asking the question, you know, why and how does New York State evaluate the quality of public education? So let me give you just a little bit of background here. You know, I work with a lot of teachers in schools and in teacher education programs. And one of the common reasons you hear new teachers in particular talking about, you know, why they got into education has to do with like wanting to make a difference. Um, in fact, right now I'm teaching a course to first and second year teachers um, who are who have changed kind of careers and are, you know, learning kind of the ropes like in real time, right? So they get, you know, some training in the summer, they get some support in graduate classes, but they're really, they're in classrooms right away. And as you speak with different teachers who are in those kinds of situations, or when you talk with folks who've been in the field for, you know, for decades, what you hear over and over is this notion that like, I got into teaching because I wanted to make a difference, and that's a really like noble and rich reason to get into it. Or what you'll hear often is you'll hear teachers say that I got into this work because I had a teacher who made an impact on my life and I want to I want to pay that forward. And again, that too is a really, really noble and rich reason to to get into this work. But at the end of the day, too, like that's not enough, some could say. That's not enough because on a certain level, you know, it isn't sufficient to say, well, I'll know that I made a difference if I just turn around one life. I totally get where that comes from, and I understand why it sounds compelling at first. It's also important to think about what is actually being said there. If you're teaching in a public education system, or if you're just teaching you know, even in a non-public education system, and you are responsible for anywhere from 15 to 35 children at once— it's actually not sufficient to say that I'm just I'm just that's all about trying to make a difference in that one life. That might make that might make you feel good and it's not to say that those moments aren't really important and they're really valuable. It is to say that they don't go far enough. That in fact when you're responsible from anywhere from you know a dozen to 3 dozen students at once you are also you're responsible to all of them and for thinking systematically about like how how do I how do I really try to support each of these students and and honor the unique individuals that they are and the unique unique learning needs that they have? Like that's the ultimate goal. So as we're thinking about you know how the state, which at the end of the day the state is the one remember who's kind of on the hook for ensuring that there's sufficient equitable education being offered to all children. You know, it's important to reconcile the the tension between those two forces. That you know, the force the force of the heart, which is why a lot of folks, including myself, we got into this work and we stay in this work. But you have to reconcile that with the demands of the institution and the responsibility 
to the public at scale, right, at a very, very large scale. And that is not an easy balance um, to, you know, to strike. Um, and in fact, it can be really hard when you're starting out in your careers. It can be really hard uh, and very jolting, actually, when you see the way the system actually works um, on a day-to-day basis. So when we're thinking about the way the state evaluates teachers and schools and children, we do have to remember that the state is responsible for a scale of the work um, that has to has to transcend the idiosyncrasies of any individual teacher or any individual kind of community or school. And if that's the case, you know, setting up a system to evaluate schools fairly can be really, really tricky. It's not impossible. Other countries do it. Um, but it is to say that it's tricky. And to get a sense of like what the trickiness is like, um, let me start off with some simple math. Um, and then let's listen to a clip uh, of New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo a few years ago, like trying to trying to address the, 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 the trickiness of it. OK, uh, here's the simple math. All right. Um, the simple math is this, is that if you take if you say that roughly ballpark children are in schools six hours a day, this is New York State I'm using roughly ballpark might be a little more, a little less union contracts change, that changes things, et cetera. But if you say that like children are in schools roughly six hours a day and children go to schools roughly 180 days of, out of the year, so roughly half the year, um, when you do the simple math on that, what, what you actually find um, is that you know, children are going to school a quarter of the day, half the days out of the year. And that, that amounts to about 12% of the year kids are actually in school. Let me say that again. 12% of the year, um, children are actually in school, meaning for the rest of their breathing life on any calendar year, they're not in school. The other 88% of the time, um, they are not in school. And you know, one of the core tensions that emerges when it comes to how do you evaluate the quality of schools, of teachers, of students, um, one, of the, one of the key things to keep in mind is that there, there, there is this instinct to want to put the... Um, the complete and total responsibility on the teacher in a classroom or the head of a school. But what those kind, and, and it can be very, it can be said very compellingly. And I think it's often said very earnestly by those who, who want to do that and believe it. But in doing so, the complexity of it is left out sometimes. And the complexity is this, which is that there's another 88% of the year that the school has zero control over. Actually, the teachers certainly has zero control over, though there are little ways that you can try to push into that time a bit in that space. Um, but there's that there's the 12 percent reality that that needs to sometimes to, to, I think, to inform a bit more of the kinds of conversations we have about, you know, school level and teacher level accountability. Um, so with that having been said, um, I think it was around 2012, 2013 ish. Um, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo um, established a committee um, to investigate what was going on with public education in um, in New York State, and he wanted recommendations from that committee in terms of how his office should proceed in the coming years. Um, those recommendations were – some would argue that those were – all of it was predetermined and it wasn't an authentic committee. Others will say that like it very much informed or at least verified some of the things that were already uh, in the queue. Um, it is worth saying that all – that the, the committee's work was all very much framed by the Obama administration's race to the top. 
um, initiative, which rewarded states for aligning their education reform agendas um, with the federal government's values. And they did a little more. uh, They didn't they didn't pa- they didn't pass a law per se to do race to the top. What they did instead, um, as you'll hear about in later episodes, is they they said essentially like we've got a boatload of money after the financial crisis here to reinvest in education and training, and as a result, we are going to let states compete for um, for a chunk of of, of their uh, of, of what we got. And New York State, uh, I believe, got about seven hundred million um, in race to the top funding. Um, and part part of the race of the top funding was about adopting the Common Core standards. Though they didn't say that, it said a common standard set in the original solicitation. Part of it was around expanding access to charter schools, and part of it as well was around um, increasing teacher evaluations and and the way in which data are used to inform certain kinds of accountability and decision making. Um, so all of that's in the background regardless. Um, but at this, uh, at this clip we're going to hear now, it's going to be Andrew Cuomo you know, sharing a little bit about kind of his stance on how to, as a governor, like how do, how do I think about education and schools um, when what are some of the challenges of, of this work? So let's take a listen. It is inarguable, but that the system needs to be improved. Any of the numbers will tell you that. Uh, 73% graduating high school, 37% ready for college. That's what uh, the chancellor was speaking about and when they, how they see it from the SUNY and the CUNY side. So we have a lot of work to do. And the mandate before this commission is broad. It is soup to nuts. We can't say, well, there was only one piece of the agenda. Look at everything and anything that you think appropriate. Uh, you know, we call everything is a school, and a school in East New York or a school in Harlem is called a school. And and let's pause it right there for a second. Um, when I first heard this clip, I was I was sort of stunned that he was spending so much time talking about the definition of school, and it it sounded like a really transparent political bob and weave, you know, around semantics, just trying to avoid getting to the heart of the issue. So if you're feeling that way right now when you're listening to this. Um, I felt it too. I'm there with you. I got you. However, as the as the as you'll hear and as the clip continues and a little later, um, you're, you're going to hear that there there is something that he's trying to get at there that I think actually it loops back really nicely to the the 12 percent and the 88 percent tension um, that I talked about just a little while ago. Um, let's take a listen. And a school in Westchester or Nassau or Great Neck is called the school. They're performing a function in a very different environment. To call them the same thing and to suggest that the same output is required from both, I think is deceptive from the beginning. All right. Now, did you hear that? So part of what the governor is trying to get at there is um, when we talk about the nature of school, sometimes that word lumps all communities and schools into the same kind of basket and the i don't know if you lump into a basket actually so but let's let's pretend that you do <laughs> for a moment right um but part of the issue is what he's saying is that you know if, if communities are this if schools are the centers of communities we have to acknowledge that those different different communities have very very different needs 
And so sometimes the way in which we're approaching education reform is thoroughly problematic when we pu we're putting everyone in the same, you know, in the same basket instead of parsing out what are the different needs of these different communities and, and looking, looking a bit more complexly um, at, you know, how, how to address those needs with wraparound services, for example, um, universal pre-K, things like that. So, you know, what I would say just in response to some of it and some of the things to think about there is you know, he's not providing the perfect answer in the clip um and there's you know there would be there's lots of re there's lots of ways to discuss you know the adequacy of his response and, and kind of what and what he's saying there but i think what's most important to take from a clip like that is is the way in which a policymaker and an official like they they have to they are, they have to think about this work um in a certain political reality and context that is really easy to forget about um, or to misunderstand sometimes at the um, at the school level, at the classroom level, at the university level, um, and the fact is, like when you're in charge of an entire state, like you're responsible for everyone in your state. You know, not just your kid's classroom, not just your own classroom, not just your own school. And so, you know, I think one of the things that he, one of the problems I think with with uh, ultimately with what he's saying there is like the report that came out it had a number of recommendations recommendation number seven of the report did call for increased accountability and transparency the what I think what what would be worth a really uh, would be worth a closer look and study is to say like well does the result in accountability system that we see a great example of which are these recent changes in New York State that just, you know, that are taking schools that were doing well, and it seems to be punishing some of them for opting out, or perhaps that, and that's, or that's certainly a suspicion, you know, is that, is it really, is it really in uh, those communities' best interest to be penalized in that way? Um, you know, or is there something more going on there? Um, and I think, and I think there is much more going on there. And I think to really, to get at the heart of it, I think it requires having hard, sustained conversations about, you know, what's the purpose of our public education system and how do we try to ensure that the system as a whole, not just, you know, a few lucky schools and not just outliers, but how, how the system as a whole is, is an equitable one and is one that's preparing children not just for the economy, but also for civic participation and for society, you know, uh, on a wider scale. So those are just some thoughts this week um, in response to that question, why and how does New York State evaluate the quality of public education? Um, you could also, you could check out, um, if you're interested in learning more about it, you could go to uh, gradgrinds.com and you could, up, uh, you could look up their states of education, which is an interactive map, which will show you per state how your own state defines the right to public education. And it varies state to state to state to state. There are 50 different definitions for the purpose and right to public education. Um, and it's, uh, it can be fascinating to see whether you're a teacher, a student, um, or you know, even if you're, if you're a parent who just wants to learn more about this, you, it's starting with states of education over on GradGrinds is a great place, uh, is a great place to, to begin. So thanks very much for listening. You can find tons more again over at gradgrinds.com. Or if you have any questions, need help, or just want to share some feedback, I'm all ears over on social, um, at Tom Liam Lynch. And uh, until next time, I'm Tom Liam Lynch, and keep professing.